I love that video because um, it, get, it gets at a central idea that we believe here at Whitewater. We believe that no matter your background, no matter your history, no, no, no matter your religious background, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your experience with church, that we all have equal access to the love of Jesus Christ. And that's why we gather here. All of us who have totally different backgrounds and are imperfect people, it's because we have equal access to his love. Um, I want to take a moment before we jump into the sermon to actually celebrate something really special with you guys. Uh, Really celebrate what I think is kind of an extended family. It's become an extended family. It's Olive Crest, the organization, the family of people who, um, who really have... Are, are the ones who are the warriors and the servants and the heroes of taking on um, the foster care issues, especially in Pierce County. And so I want to invite them to come on up here. Would you give my friends from Olive Crest a hand? And as you guys come on up, we love you guys. And we'd love it if you guys actually came front and center so people could see you. I know it might be a little embarrassing, but if you guys came up here to the center, we, yeah, we, you guys are always kind of at work behind the scenes doing tons of stuff that maybe gets a uh, little thanks, and, uh, but is, is, is huge in kingdom uh, building and, and change for kids' lives and families' lives. We just love you and we thank you guys so much. And, um, and you're, you're, we believe that you guys are the heroes. And like doing the One Child Project where we did this Christmas party in partnership with Olive Crest and got to serve families and serve you guys. We really feel like we get to serve the, the true servants, the heroes, uh, which are you and the families that actually are providing care. So I just wanted to hand over the mic to my friend Jeff for a moment, and they just wanted to share with us as, uh, as extended family. Good morning, Whitewater. Uh, the last time I was here, I was by myself. In fact, the last several times I've been by myself, but I brought, I brought a few of my buddies. So we could, uh, we could not pass up an opportunity to come back to you face-to-face and say thank you uh, for the amazing party that you threw for our, our families. Um, you're going to hear a sermon this morning, an awesome sermon, by the way, on joy. And I just want you to know, we had uh, over 800 kids and family, parents, um, at this party a few weeks back, and you brought joy into each one of their lives. And so as a community, we just want to say thank you. We love you guys. We love our partnership with you. We're so thankful uh, we're grateful for the work. We know there was a lot of work that was put in um, to putting that Christmas, Christmas party on. Um, everything from the decorations when I walked in. It's just, you're kind of blown away. You're like, is this really just for us? I mean, really, that was um, the decorations, you know, the food, the activities for kids, um, you know, the snow, of course. Everybody, we talk about the snow. That's just blow, they are blown away. Um, and so just, we just want to say, uh, say thank you. Uh, it was about four years ago that George called us up and uh, came in and to our office and essentially said, hey, we would love to take on this Christmas party for you because up until then, it was put on just by our staff to our families. And it was um, an amazing gift, but I don't think, well, I know we didn't. We had no idea um, what that was going to lead to. And so uh, we just want to come back Uh, say thank you and um, let you know that it was more than just a party that was happening that morning. 
Um, and I want to share a few uh, Facebook posts from a few of our families when they went home, uh, shared with us and wanted us and wanted us to share with our Whitewater family. So a couple things. I would say first of all, beyond just the party, the impact that um, that you had on the children um, was amazing. Just a couple of really quick uh, things from our family. So thank you, Whitewater. What a wonderful party. My littles loved it. Two-year-old kept saying, fun, <laughs> when we got in the car for the ride home. His huge smile and obvious delight brought so much joy to this mama. What a blessing. Um, and then this one, thank you so much for another amazing Christmas party. As we drove away, my four-year-old said, wow, mommy, those people really love us. I just, I just found that both of those, a two-year-old and a four-year-old, um, the message they heard and felt and sensed that morning was that, that you loved them, that they were loved and cared for. And um, you'll see a little bit of a highlight video later in the service. And I want you to watch the faces of the kids that are in that video, um, smiles um, all around. So foster care is a difficult time for lots of kids, um, obviously. And so, um, you know, even the families that end up adopting kids, we invite them back because we know how important this party has become in their story um, in foster care. So the impact on kids is amazing. The impact on our parents. Um, here's one. Thank you, Olive Crest and Whitewater, for loving on our families so well. Being somewhere that everyone gets us, quote, gets us. Where we can be real and not worry about what others are thinking. Knowing our kids are all welcome and loved is priceless. You know you've become a part of our community when our families say, you get us. Um, and so that just spoke volumes to me, that you have entered into their lives, you've demonstrated that you care and you understand. And the sensory room that you provide is just one small example. For so many kids, going into a, a, a party like that is not the most enjoyable thing. But you, you knew that, you took time, um, you, you, know, you brought a, a room just for those kids that would have a really difficult time being around lots of kids. Um, and one other one. You're going to have to have a shorter sermon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll happen. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Whitewater uh, Church. Elmo, is, I don't know if Elmo was here this morning. But <laughs> Elmo, Grinch, princesses, Santa, hairstylists, face painters. Old McDebbie's Farm, all the workers who made the snow hill, and all the volunteers, helpers, and gift givers, and wrappers. You made today such a joy for our children, and there aren't enough words to express our gratitude. The love and support that you showed us today helped give us the strength and encouragement we need to continue as foster and adoptive parents. We're so very grateful for the amazing love you showed all of our families today. Being a foster parent um, is a challenging um, work. And so for so long, foster parents um, have, been, have felt isolated and maybe misunderstood. And so I cannot say enough how important um, this is um, in their lives, to see that the church, the community, and especially the church, is behind them and they understand them and they want to serve them. So thank you on behalf of our family and our team to yours. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much. Um, and then we have one other thing we need to do this morning, right? Uh, hi, I'm Anna, and I have been Samantha's counterpart at Olive Crest, and I just want to um, ask her to come up and thank her. Um, so you guys know her. She was new to us this year, 
really enjoyed working with Samantha. She has put in hours and hours and hours on our Christmas party. I shared earlier, I got uh, emails at 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night um, asking questions about the kids and wanting to make sure that their presents were just perfect. Um, And so I just really appreciate you. I appreciate all the time and effort and the excitement that you've put into the party. It did not go unnoticed. something prep for you. Just a small thing. So, thank you very much. Um, and just one last thing that I, that I want to share because it just highlights the detail in which um, your team um, you know, has demonstrated in supporting us. They've, you provided uh, gift cards, Starbucks gift cards for all of our staff. Um, and <laughs> Have you used yours already? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, small token, but speaks volumes to our staff that you care about us, you understand the difficulty, especially in the holidays, uh, working with kids in foster care. So thank you so much. We love you guys and appreciate you so much. Hey. Um, man, it's all right. As they're heading out, can I just say a word of prayer for those, uh, those servants? Um, just pray with me real quick. Father, I just thank you for uh, all the ones who work at Olive Crest. Uh, there, there's, I was talking with one who got a, a call right after this, the first service and has to go deal with something really heavy. And, and they're, always, they're just one phone call, one text away from having to deal with disaster and hurt and pain. And I just pray that you would encourage them, flood them with joy even in the midst of that sorrow and the hardship of entering into the, the messiness of life and the, you know, just the hurt and the harm that people have caused or gone through and these little kids are going through, would you bless this, this group um, that are the heroes of, of our community? They represent the church. And uh, I just thank you for them. Bless them, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen, amen. Love those guys. Thank you. And um, I think some have, are going to the Hawks game today, so that'll be cool for them. Um, man, it's so good to be here. I just want you guys to know that I love you so much. Uh, me and my wife are so grateful for this church. We, we really love you. And I don't know if we say that enough. Uh, if you're, it's your first time at Whitewater, we are so glad you're here. We hope you might find a home. Um, I just want to jump right in. When we were doing the, the One Child Project, you're going to see a video later um, that just kind of highlights some of the cool things, but the, it was so amazing. People worked so hard, and they were, people were sweating in the kitchen, getting the food heated, heated up and get everything ready, and there were people outside getting like the structure set up so we could have the, the, the snow sled, and we had people working on the the actual skit and the project and getting presents ready and people working, you know, for weeks to get this thing ready, just prepping. And they worked so hard, but there was this moment when you saw the kids come where the people who had worked so hard and put so much time and effort, it just joy filled their faces because they were seeing the joy on the kids' faces. You guys ever experienced that before in your family? Been at a party where everyone's having fun, but there's like one person who's working really, really hard in the kitchen or working hard making sure that they're hosting and they're sweating, but they look up, they've got joy because they're watching you enjoy the party. Have you guys, how many of you guys are that person 
who likes to work and make sure it's great. How many guys are the, the, the person who likes to enjoy the fruits of their labor? Yes! I'm kind of with you, but man, there's just something about that where joy comes in when we see others having joy. What I want to talk to you guys about today uh, is a, just an extremely practical, extremely simple sermon. It might even be too simple, but I just, I just thought it was so important. Last week, me and my wife were able to share a little bit of our own story about how we were, were able to uh, choose joy through a really hard season of going through uh, miscarriage after miscarriage and then the stroke of, of Sarah's father, almost losing him. And just like when it rains, it pours. And, and this week, I want to talk to you guys not just about choosing joy, but bringing joy into other people's lives, okay? So I'm going to give you seven ways that I've noticed that we can bring joy into our world. We can bring joy into the lives of others. And and so here's the seven. And and have you ever been to Panera Bread? You guys ever been to Panera? How many of you guys been there? Come on, you can admit this. Yeah, they got good soup and lots of bread, lots of carbs, very gluten-friendly. They have the you pick too, right? They have the you pick too. So as I go through these seven, what I want to challenge you with on the front end, very practical, is, is to, to choose at least two of these, at least, you can do more, but at least, at least two of these uh, uh, ways of bringing joy this week and see what happens, okay? So that's the challenge up front. Let's jump in. The first, uh, the first way we can bring joy, um, I think is very important, it's this. We bring joy by bringing darkness to light, Jesus was sent to the world. God loved a world that was dark and broken, and he sent Jesus to be a light in a broken world, to shine light in the darkness. And in Proverbs 28, it says this, the one who conceals his sins will not... The mistakes and regrets, we just try to like sweep it under the rug. We try to contain it, control it ourselves so that no one knows but us. And hopefully not God. If we try to, if we try to contain it, we will not prosper. You will not experience joy as you could. And some of you guys are like, well, I've been, I've been hiding that stuff for years. Like I've been putting it in the back closet of my life. And I feel great, George. Like I feel fine. And I would say to you, get out. Get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. That's not a very gracious thing. That's not a very gracious thing. No, what I would say to you is like, for a time, you can feel all right. But that stuff is still there. And it will surface. And what you're, what you're doing is if you're stuffing that stuff and you're protecting it and you're concealing the sin, the junk, the mistakes, the failures of your life, and never bringing them into the light, never bringing them to God and, and asking for His mercy and forgiveness, never bringing out to light with trusted people so that can, ha- that can help you grow through this, help you find freedom. You will not find true joy because you are only fooling yourself. You are believing in an illusion. You are creating an illusion that your life is fine and perfect. And the people that need to hear about your life being not fine and perfect, that actually you know, are, are feeling guilty about theirs, that they're not perfect like yours is, actually need you to be real because then it can help set them free. Are you following me? And so don't believe in the illusion. Don't create the illusion. Proverbs 28, the one who conceals his sins is, will not prosper. They're only fooling themselves. But whoever confesses and renounces, confesses and said, this is going on in my life and it's not good. I don't want it. Whoever confesses and renounces their sins will find mercy. Will find mercy. When we confess our sins, when we bring the darkness to the light, and we bring it to the Lord, we will find mercy and the start of joy 
can really come back into our hearts and lives. People are carrying the weight of sin all the time. And we can, get, we can, we can lay that down. And um, in my life, I mean, this confession and renouncement of, of evil has you know, taken different shapes. But um, not too long ago, we actually uh, we owned our house just a few weeks ago. And we just sold it. Now we're looking for a new one. And... Um, and we, in this old house that we had just a few weeks ago, we had this pantry. In this pantry, my wife would put uh, dark chocolate. Would put dark chocolate. Um, Gerardelli chocolate. Dark chocolate. And it was the best dark chocolate you, I've ever had. It's amazing. And um, my wife opened it one time. Because I would always get one from her parents and she would get one from her parents. They know we like dark chocolate. And I would always consume mine immediately because, the, you know, you don't want that waiting around too long. Like, it's not going to taste the same. It needs to be eaten immediately. My wife would like to save it for, like, you know, to savor it and, and have it at special times. And she went to go get it, cause she had, and she'd been waiting, like, a few months to eat this. And she went to open it, and it had been opened in the back. And all of the chocolate had been eaten except for, like, one half bar, which is insulting when you were expecting a whole thing. And she came out of that pantry. She was like, who ate my dark chocolate? And I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know it was there, you know? And I was like, Novella, my four-year-old daughter, did you eat it? No, Daddy ate it. No, Novella ate it. And there was this argument. She's like, I'm going to figure out who it was. She's like, I'm so angry. She's like, I've been looking forward to this for months. I've been waiting. And I had all this guilt because I may or may not have been involved <laughs> with the slow disappearance of this just bit by bit. I'm not even sure it was all me. I just took little bits. And... Um, <laughs> And I finally, I finally confessed. I was like, Sarah, it was probably ma- mainly me. <laughs> and uh, full Bethany confession. And, and she was like, that is, I am more angry at this than anything. You're snoring. You're leaving of the cupboards open. I am so mad. Because she's like, you concealed it. In the, ba- in the back it was covered. And you made it look like it was still there for months. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I know, but I feel so much better now. I've told you. <laughs> The confession, bringing the darkness into the light is so important. I, 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 think, um, I think we can fool ourselves into feeling like concealing is the way to go. Um, I've had friends. Um, I had a friend a few years ago come and confess, like, hey, to trusted people, say, I, I know it doesn't look like it, and I've never t- told anybody, but I struggle with prescription pills. I'm, I am full-blown uh, addicted to these. And... No one else knows, and I need help. And all of a sudden, was able to start finding freedom. I've had people come out like I've struggled with anger, and I've uh, this deep anger that I have toward my family member because of this betrayal, and I've never let it go, and it's affecting everything. And they just confess that. I've and people when they bring it to the light, all of a sudden they begin finding freedom. You you start finding joy. Joy can come into your life again. I even had um, someone. Um, close to me in, in this time where Hollywood and the political system and our political leaders have, have had the rock pulled back and so that everybody can see what's under it. It's been there. It's always been there f- for a long time. And some people are shocked, like, like there's evil going on in Hollywood. There's evil going on in the political system. There's evil going on. This is shocking. But for people who really understand people, like this is just being, it's just being shown, lights being shined on something that's been dark for a long time. And there's, there's just this like vile exploitation of women and, um, 
and vile exploitation of power. And if you've been reading any of the headlines, you know what I'm talking about. And there's been a lot of women who, have, who are now coming out and now feeling like they can actually share their story. That like, yeah, this is, uh, that's happened to me. I've experienced that in the workplace or in my family or in, in these environments that I have to be in. And like, I have to be careful and I've had this scar me or friends that this is scarred. And, um, and not only when we bring our own darkness to light, but when we see darkness brought it to the light in our culture, we can start moving towards joy. And I was talking with my friend. They said, it's been really hard. It's been, it feels like this weight, like this mountain because of what I've experienced. And now what I see in our, 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 our country and I see certain leaders and you, I just want, I want justice and there's so much hurt and anger. She's like, it was, it was affecting my family. It was affecting my relationships. It just felt like this mountain of vile evil. And she's like, and then when I was looking out, I was just struggling with this. I was looking out at, at Mount Rainier. It was cloudy and and it was early, and then all of a sudden the sun broke. And light was brought on the mountain. And she's like, and it might be simple, but it, for me it was just a reminder that no matter what mountain and how dark it is and how big it is and how, how awful, that God's love and God's power is greater. And like the sun coming out, shedding light on this mountain, all of a sudden it can turn ugliness into something beautiful. We just have to wait. We just have to be patient. And she's like, and, and, and God is bigger than this thing. He's bigger. And I'm telling you, when, when darkness gets brought to light, joy can come in. I just, I just think that's so important to say. Some of you guys might have some darkness that needs to get brought to light. Number two. We bring joy, and this is connected to the first one. We bring joy through vulnerability and weakness. We live in a culture that is like the opposite of this, like believes and and espouses the opposite of this reality. That if we're going to bring joy, we have to bring vulnerability and weakness. But our world says we want the strong. We're looking for the strong. When you go into interviews, they're looking to find your weaknesses so they, they can have the strong be there. And we live in a culture where the strong eat the weak, the strong get the money, the strong get the popularity, the strong get the job. The, the strong get everything, right? Like that's, that's how the kingdom of the world works. The economy of our world works. But Jesus uh, brought a different narrative, a different way of living, a different way of looking at weakness and strength. And in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, a guy named Paul writes this. He says, uh, he's, he's saying, God told him this. God said to me this, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Did you know that God's power is perfected in your weakness? In your foibles, in your mistakes, in your brokenness? That when God's love collides with your brokenness, His power is made complete and perfect. And Paul says that realization changed everything for him. He goes on to say this, Therefore, since God's Power is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses. I'll talk about my foibles and my, uh, my lack and my, uh, my inability. I'll talk about my weaknesses all the more so that Christ's power may reside in me, that God's perfect power will be seen in the world. Being vulnerable and weak is difficult. You guys know that it takes a ton of courage to be vulnerable. 
to open up and see what's really wrong in our life. And see, here's the reality. If you, if you really want to make an impact on people, our world says you need to be strong and you need to show how talented you are. But here's the reality. People can be impressed by your strength and your talent, but people connect with your weakness. I was in a room of people the other, uh, within the last week or two, I was in a room of people and we were talking, people were talking about their spiritual journey and where they're at, talking about their life, but it was all kind of surface stuff at first. And no one, you know, no one really knew each other and wanted to take the risk of really opening up. And, but, but to get where we needed to go, somebody needed to open up. And it was, this most, um, it was just such a good reminder that, that we bring joy when we share our weakness and our vulnerable. And this gal who no one knew that well just kind of stepped forward and she opened up and, and was vulnerable and shared her story and said, hey, you know, I, I don't even feel worthy to be here and here's where I'm at in my faith and here's the tensions I'm experiencing, here's the tensions in my, in my life and my marriage. And, and she just started opening up and guess what happened in that room? Changed the dynamic of the room. All of a sudden, everybody else like was like, felt free to open. She had been courageous enough to open up first. She was the leader. By being weak, God was, God was being strong in her. By her showing vulnerability and weakness, like her strength came through and it opened up a way for the room to connect and care and it just changed the room. And we want a church that's, that, that is authentic and real, not hiding behind things, not hiding behind sin, not hiding behind strength, not hiding, like that we can be real with each other with who we really are, that we can trust each other. Not everybody's trustworthy, don't get me wrong. Some people aren't, some people are. But the, it, the, it, takes, it takes courage and fortitude to say, uh, here's my weakness. And um, like me and Sarah, had, we, we weren't looking forward, especially last week, to sharing our story because it, it brings up painful stuff. It brings up the hardship we've been through. It brings up weakness and we have to be vulnerable. And we shared about just some of the stuff we've gone through and some of you guys were there and it wasn't easy to relive and talk about on stage for us. But we feel we can't ask anybody in our church to be vulnerable if we're not willing to be vulnerable. We can't ask you to share your weaknesses with each other, with us, if we don't share our weaknesses and our hurts and our pain. But when we do, joy can enter the room because I'm not alone in the struggle. There's somebody else who knows. And, and, and if God can be work in them, he can be working in me. And like joy starts filling the room. Are you with me? Amen? Amen. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Now I want to sh- shift to um, something I think is so important and can be overlooked in church. It can be overlooked in a big way. And number three is we bring joy through encouragement and laughter. We bring joy through encouragement and laughter. Colossians 4, 6 says this, Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you may know how you should answer each person. I love that it says, always, uh, always be gracious, but your speech be seasoned with salt, seasoned with the things of life, seasoned with the things of joy, and, and, like, and lifting people up beyond their circumstances. And, and Proverbs twelve twenty five it talks about in, in encouragement and bringing life to people. Worry weighs a person down. 
Worry weighs a person down. How many of you guys know that worry weighs you down? And I am telling you, there are people every week that come home weighed down with worry. Every week there are people that go to work and they are weighed down with worry and anxiety. Every week people come into this building, sit in these seats, and they are, they are weighed down with worry. Like maybe different worries than the next guy, but weighed down. And one of the most important things we can do as a community is recognize as a community of imperfect people with all sorts of weight on us is that one of the, one of the most beautiful duties we have is to lift each other up. To encourage each other. And one of the most important things I can do is realize that you here sitting here today might be weighed down with a ton of different things and and give you an encouraging word about the love of God, about the truth of God, and remind you about the promises of God, remind you about how much God has planned for your life. Because we forget when we're weighed down, we forget, we get tunnel vision, it seems dark and we can't see the light. And somebody coming in and taking off some of the burdens begins to lift us up. And we know, and you know I know, there are some burdens that like no human can lift off. And only God can. And we come here to remind ourselves that God is accessible at any moment to lift the burdens of your life. To remind you that that this isn't it. It's not over. And there is a future. Amen? Encouragement. And and laughter. I I just thought that, that that was so important to put in here. How many of you guys laughter lifts you up? How many of you guys have friends that have that laugh that like when they laugh, you, don't, you might not even get the joke and all of a sudden you're like, ha, 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 <laughs> because they laugh, you know what I mean? It's so good. It's so rich. My daughter's beginning, she has that laugh. I'll walk into her, into her uh, you know, child care, you know, here at Whitewater or at her um, daycare and she'll be with these kids and even the, even the, um, the teachers that she's with, when she'll laugh, the teachers will start laughing and her friends will start laughing. And she's got a friend who's got a really good laugh. And so when her friend starts laughing, all the other kids start laughing. And it's so fun to see. There's this reality that laughter and encouragement, and it's, it brings joy. It's, it's healing for the soul. Me and my family were driving down Waller Road. And we're like, we sold our house. We're looking for a new house. And we're driving back to Puyallup, and we're talking about a home. We're out, you know, out in the country, and my, my wife um, looks over at me, and I've got my son in the back. Uh, he's four months old, Wesley. My daughter, Novella, she's in the back, too. And we're all just hang, hanging out driving. And it was on Waller Road. My wife um, goes, man, this is just a beautiful rural area. <clears throat> and I said, what? And, and she's like, it's a beautiful rural area. And I was like, do you mean rural and she goes, yeah, that's what I said. I said, no, you didn't. Say it again. We're driving down the road. And she's like, yeah, roll. Okay. <laughs> rural. Rural. That's how I know how to read it. My wife's an English teacher, too, by the way. Um, and the way my wife says rural is, is Rural. <laughs> So we're driving down the road. I'm starting to laugh. I'm like, you know, you say roll. And she's like, no, I say, I say roll. It's roll, roll. And Novella laughs. And she goes, mama, you're saying roll. And, she, and my wife's like, no. And she's like, all of a sudden getting insecure. We're like, roll, 
how does it spell? And then we spell it out. And she's like, what are other words that, can, that emulate it? Are there any other? And I'm like, girl, mural, her role. You know, like, it's rural. And uh, we, were, we were laughing, dying, going down this, down this road. And then my wife goes, well, your family says some weird things too. <laughs> I'm like, like what? And she's like, the word orange? You guys say Orange. <laughs> Do you guys have that in your family? They say, my family says orange. There's a lot of oranges here. You know, like, and she's like, the word Washington. 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 She's like, you all say Washington. There is no R. And we're having like this argument. And then we start laughing so hard at the way we say things that we're, we're like crying. And there's a moment where, like, where my wife's trying to say roll, right? And she's going, roll. And I'm like, roll. And my daughter's like, roll in the back. And there's these people driving by us on Waller Road. And they're just like, Christmas and anxiety and worries. And my family's like, ah, like laughing in this car. Someone came up to me after last ser- service and said, Do you know that you pronounced Gerardelli wrong? I was like, What? And they were like, It's. Ghirardelli, and then someone was like, no, it's Ghirardelli. And I was like, you're Ghiridiculous. That's <laughs> Ghirardelli sounds so much better than chocolate made by Gary. Like, it doesn't sound good. I was wondering why, when I toured the factory why they were saying it wrong. <laughs> bring laughter and joy. Oh, and I actually have a, an eighth uh, way to bring joy to people that popped up into my mind. Is if you've seen Star Wars... Don't reveal it to the people who haven't. Okay, that's just a bonus. Yeah, there's a few of you thanking me. Number four, let's, let's cruise through the rest of this. We bring joy by loving imperfect people with God's perfect love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment, so the one who fears is not complete in love. Fear drives out joy. Fear drives out joy. Perfect love drives out fear. I was, worked in ministry for some time, and there's a guy I met who was a minister, his pastor, and he, he kind of just had this curmudgeon <laughs> feel to him, and like barnacles were growing on him, and you know, he, he didn't look that old, but he's like, we were talking, and he was just like, ah, I've just, these people are driving me nuts. And he's like, I'm going to have these people work with this group of people because I just can't stand them. And the more he talked, it was just like he was so negative and so angry. There wasn't joy coming out of his life. It was just like this criticism. And, and, and it hit me. The issue was he was struggling loving imperfect people. And I don't know much. I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not the smartest pastor. I'm what you got. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I do know that if we're to be Christians who have been loved by God, if we're going to be a pastor or pastors, if we're going to minister to people, we're in the people business and our call is to love imperfect people. And he had lost his love. And because he'd lost his love for imperfect people, joy was no longer shining through him. I'm willing to bet there's some imperfect people in this room. All of us who are imperfect in this room right now, you need to know that you have access to God's perfect love, every one of us. And we are called, when we become Christians, when we have received that love, 
that now we love people with God's perfect love. And that's what I have to say about that. You have to love people. Number five. When we bring joy today, we do it today by bringing or by remembering the joy to come tomorrow. We bring joy today by remembering the joy that comes tomorrow. And what I mean by that is, in Hebrews 10, it says this, uh, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. He's talking to Christians who were persecuted, thrown into jail for their faith. The reason they were thrown into jail was because they loved God and believed in Jesus Christ. So you've been thrown into jail, and when, when all you own was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You had this horrendous, unfair, unjust thing happen to you, and yet you received it, you accepted it with joy. Who can say that? Like, things that I deserve happen to me, and I'm still angry about it. <laughs> and he's talking to these Christians who have lost everything, their freedoms, their stuff, like, their, their, maybe even family connections, and, and it says that they accept it with joy. Why? It goes on to say, you knew there was better things waiting for you that will last forever. Underlined better things and last forever. This is so important. We can have joy and bring joy today, even if there's dark clouds, even if there's adversity, even if nothing's going our way, we can still bring joy despite the circumstances because we, if we believe and we know Jesus, we know there are better things waiting for us that will last forever in the future. We get to look forward to heaven, to like the eternal things, to like stuff that's not going to end up at the, at the bottom of a, of, a, of a pile of rubbish. It's not going to end up in a, you know, a dump someday. It's, it's stuff that's going to last. And I love that he reminds uh, us Christians, this verse reminds us that there are better things that will last forever that we can look forward to. Some people make it through the week because they're looking forward to something. They make it through the week because they're looking forward to the Seahawks playing. I mean, let's be honest. There's people who are like, this is the worst week ever, but the Seahawks are playing. And unless they lose, I'm going to be super, super happy. You know, they're looking forward to that. And then the Seahawks are playing and they make it through the season, like a hard season. Some people are like, well, they get paid a lot of money, but these guys are getting like hit, running into each other. I mean, with a a total force of getting hit with a Mack truck when they're going, you know, uh, 17 to 21 miles an hour, 21 miles an hour. That's, that's a lot of force. And they're making it through the season, through up and down, through injuries. They're making it through because there's a goal of making it to the championship. They're looking forward to something. And there's a reality here that Hebrews is reminding us as Christians. Christians, that that we can look forward to something that we do not yet have fully, but we have in part. That like heaven is breaking into earth right now. That we are seeing God's eternity breaking into our future when acts of love and like the the one child project and when we see people like like bringing relationships and restoration back, that's bits of heaven that we get to witness now and it helps us look forward to our ultimate future. Are you with me? So more than looking beyond, you know, beyond our week to the Seahawks or to a championship, it says that Jesus teaches us how to look forward to what is truly important. In Hebrews 12, 1, it says this, Let us with endur- run with endurance. Let us run with perseverance. Let us run with tenacity the race that lies before us. The race of faith won't be easy. God never promised an easy uh, journey of faith. He didn't promise that you'd get everything you wanted. 
But he says this, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. He's he's reminding us that like Christ, who looked forward to heaven, who looked forward to having a relationship with all of us, who, who looked at the cross and scorned it and said, I'll endure that, I'll handle that because of the joy of heaven set before him. He had the tenacity to handle anything that was thrown his way. So we are to endure in our race of faith. Because the things we're looking forward to are better, and they they won't fade. They are eternal. Remember that. Keep your eyes set on Jesus. And you can bring joy today because you have more joy coming tomorrow. Amen? Number six, we bring joy when we show up. We bring joy when we show up. Some of you who come here, I, I want you to know how important it is that you're here. Like sometimes it's just a fight to get to church. It's just a fight to like have the will to be here or get gathered together in our Christian community. It's a fight to get to community group. It's a fight to come together with the ones that like how you do life with and faith with. It's hard. I get it. But if you don't show up, the joy that God wants to bring through you doesn't show up through you. Does that make sense? And that might sound super simple, but I think we can miss it. Like, joy will not be brought to others through you if you do not show up. We got to show up. You miss out on the joy that others are to bring to your life. When you don't show up and you're not here, like, like it's a give and take. God wants to bring joy to you. And we talked about how do we, re, how do we get joy in a hard time. We talked about the last two weeks. But, but how does God bring joy through you? It's by showing up. It's by noticing people. Remember we talked about encouraging and bringing laughter and noticing people? Like, like talk to one another. Show up. Be here. If you're gone, that doesn't happen. And, you, and the, the big thing is for you, you don't receive what God has to give you. Through other people. You've got to show up. And I think it's important to know that there, there's somebody overjoyed because you showed up today. Someone, is, someone has joy because you show, showed up. Um, and if it's your first time here, you bring me and many people at our church joy that you made it here. Signs have been put up around town. Our website's up. Chairs have been set up. We have a, we're doing all that. We want you to be a part of the family of God. We have joy that you're here. And you know what? The greatest joy is that God has joy that you're here. He has joy. The final point is you bring joy when you experience the power of Christ in your life. You bring joy when you experience the power of Christ in your life. Run the race of your faith with your eyes set on Jesus. And there's this reality that, that there's no greater joy than maybe receiving Christ for the first time in your life where you become aware of His presence and, and life is more than just like empirical, scientific reality. There's more to life. That like, like the, the light of spirituality, the light of eternity comes on somehow in your life and like the light comes over the mountain and all of a sudden you, what seemed ominous and dark and lonely, all of a sudden you realize there is a creator and, and there is a possibility of a relationship 
And when God breaks in and he comes into your life and he brings redemption and he brings forgiveness or what you might need is just an encouraging word or he, he turns something around in your life, whatever it may be, that brings joy. And when you're experiencing him, here's the beautiful thing. God the Father who sent his son Jesus into the mess and darkness of this world to bring light and to bring joy, he has great joy. And, and we're actually going to have some baptisms here. We're got, I know we've got three, and if you've never been baptized, you've been filling that tug, there's no reason not to get baptized today. We have all the stuff you need. We've got shorts and shirts and makeup removal and sandals. and we, you know, If you want pants, you can wear pants. I don't care. You can get baptized. But when you get baptized, it's showing that you have experienced God and His joy. And you're publicly saying to the world, I follow Him. He changed my life. God's Spirit is in me. And if you remember when Jesus was baptized, not because he had sin, he didn't sin, uh, not because he was disobedient, he was doing this out of obedience, but when he was baptized and he comes up out of the waters, do you remember what it says? It said that the Spirit came on in an incredible way, and then God said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. God's saying, he gives me joy. When you're baptized, it gives him joy. And you have joy. My friend Tom, a guy who got baptized uh, a, a number of years ago, says when he came out of the waters, he can't explain it, but something was different in his heart, and he had a new kind of joy. And we get to see that today. We get to see uh, little ones being baptized, and maybe some big ones being baptized. And if you're ready, and you're, you're ready for, for baptism, you're ready to experience God, that can happen today. That joy happens today. If you, if you weren't planning on it and you're ready, we've got uh, my friend Scott is going to be in the back at the back table. Uh, and Scott can take you back here. He's got his hand up or he'll have his hand up for you when you're there. Um, if you're ready, today's the day. Why not? Experience joy. Show joy today in that way. And um, I'm going to pray for us as we, um, as we get ready for baptisms. But remember, at least two of these ways. Bring joy in at least two of these ways this week to your friends, family, and people in your lives. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for this time. We, we, we dedicate this time. We're so grateful for the baptisms taking place. We're so grateful for the joy you give us. Help us to be joy bringers with our lives.